0: Julian Zelizer is back, political
1: historian at Princeton University and a New America Foundation fellow. He has published over 500 op-eds, including his weekly column on CNN.com. He has fellowships he's received from the Brookings Institution, the Guggenheim Foundation, and the Russell Sage Foundation. His book is The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress, and the Battle for the Great Society. One of many, Julian has written a piece... Uh, about uh, Reagan's uh, Reagan's party. This is Reagan's party. But we have a lot of things to talk about, and we have a Democratic town hall coming up, which I'd love Julian's thoughts on, and I know you would as well. Julian, good afternoon. Happy hump day.
0: Hi there. Thanks for having me.
1: Always a pleasure to have uh, you uh, with us. Um, uh, first of all, um, uh, with um, uh, the Democratic town hall in uh, New Hampshire, uh, talk to us, if you can, just briefly about, because this was not a DNC you know, formally planned debate, are there rules or violations that Senator Sanders and uh, former Madam Secretary Clinton are breaking and engaging in this? Because originally, uh, that, you know, that was some of the rhetoric that had come out a few weeks ago.
0: Well, you know, stand, the, the standard practice since the debates really got underway uh, in in the 1970s, when this became a formal thing, was uh, that there would be an agreement before the campaign season started, there'd be rules of engagement, and you'd basically stick with that framework. In the last few cycles, we've had these primary debates, which are different than what we've had in the past, with many of them taking place. And so while this might violate the rules originally agreed to, I think we're in this open-ended campaign process where there are no real rules. uh, And in the current media environment, it's hard to say that you're going to have a formal structure to how the candidates should go at each other over a long course of time.
1: This is going to be moderated by Anderson Cooper. It's a CNN town hall event. Uh, Some people, you know, look, I say you win, you win. She won by a very slim margin. She did not win by the six, uh, uh, you know, uh, district toying costs. And Bernie Sanders won uh, some uh, rounds and some delegates by the the coin toss as well. He's not pushing and fighting that. Uh, But she had double digit, you know, numbers leading into Iowa in November. Right now, Bernie has those double-digit numbers. I think as of to today, Real Clear Politics had him at twenty percent. I know yesterday was eighteen percent. You know he has well, in twenty-four hours um, garnered between one and three million dollars, depending on you know who's reporting. You believe. Um, how, how tough does that make this for Hillary in this Democratic town hall and for Bernie? Um, because perhaps the bar is a bit lower for her. Um, or higher for him. And we all remember what happened last time she was in New Hampshire and she was double digits behind.
0: Yeah. uh, You know, this is often where a candidate who's struggling does best uh, because it obviously increases the expectations, as we say, for Bernie Sanders to do well. There's inflated views of how well he will perform. And, you know, if she does poorly, that's what everyone is thinking is going to happen. So she could only surprise people uh, but that said, uh, she doesn 't want to have two lo- you know uh, a tie and a loss, and I think you know people are now watching to see not simply can she attack Sanders but can she inspire voters the same way Sanders has been able to do. Uh, So I do think even though the expectations are low, there is uh, pressure right now for her to give a sense of her ideas and her vision in a way that excites all the people who are flooding into New Hampshire right now to gather her vote.
1: We're going to take a break. We'll be back with our guest, Julian Zelizer, political historian at Princeton University. We'll be back. Don't forget the book, The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress and the Battle for the Great Society. We're going to talk more with him about this and other issues like Republicans. Follow him on Twitter at Julian Zelizer, J-U-L-I-A-N-Z-E-L-I-Z-E-R. Julian Zelizer is our guest political historian at Princeton University, New America Foundation fellow. Read his weekly column on CNN.com and get his book, The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress and the Battle for the Great uh, Society. So you said this. Does Hillary have a bigger task or is it easier because she's behind and less is expected of her? And also, Julian, when we look at numbers, she definitely needs single women. Uh, to to come to her side, and she needs youth. How does anybody do that in one town hall and and, and gather anybody in in one town hall? I mean, if you were advising her, what should she do?
0: Well, the reality is you don't. I mean, there's rarely a debate or a town hall meeting that can move any significant portion of the electorate. So if she's hoping that somehow she goes on this town hall and young people are moving from Bernie Sanders where they're giving him overwhelming support to her, it won't work. So, you know, I think it's an incremental process. A, you're trying not to go on and say something that, you know, causes a a backlash in the electorate against you. And at the same time, you're just trying to steadily build support and enthusiasm, not with new voters but with the people who are already there for you, older voters and women uh, and suburbanites.
1: And when we look at what this can accomplish, I mean, what can Bernie do? Does he just stay the course or does he, you know, just, you know, keep it, um, I don't know, tempered, you know, so to speak? Because, look, if I had a 20 percent lead, I I don't want to do anything to reduce that. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the smart thing for him to do and the uh, notion that he would go on TV and, say uh, radically different things. Most uh, pertinent, will he just go and attack Hillary Clinton in a way that he has not, would probably be a mistake. He's doing well. He's up in the polls in New Hampshire. This is a state where he should do well. Uh, So why change that at this point? And my guess is he's a very focused politician. He says the same thing over and over. And I think part of that is his strategy. You know what his message is about. So I think you're going to hear generally more of the same, maybe with a couple of digs at her. But I think that's all he really should do.
1: How about her digging at him for um, you know really uh, you know do, doing almost a 360 with regard to her emails? This is a guy who stood there and said uh, famously when they were having their kumbaya moments. Nobody gives a you know nobody cares about your damn emails. And, you know, now he's like, oh, this is, you know, concerning. And, you know, I was surprised he was, you know, going this route, to be honest.
0: I was. I'm sure his advisors are constantly tempting him to do this uh, because it's an area of vulnerability and it gets to this uh, issue of trust and judgment. Uh, That said, I don't think it's in Hillary Clinton's interest to make more of the story than anyone else in the room is going to do. Uh, And if she engages in a back-and-forth with him about, you said you wouldn't do it, but now you are, I'm not sure that's going to resonate with voters as much as hearing more about the email. So uh, she needs to focus on issues, ideas, and, again, to try to provide a level of inspiration that so far has been a little difficult for her to achieve.
1: Um, also, I'm I'm wondering if, in fact, we're going to see these attacks. Some people say Clinton's going to be on the attack. Some people say Bernie will be. Uh, and and you know, this is a guy who said that he would never run a negative ad in his life, and he obviously already has. I mean, the Goldman Sachs ad, for example, <laughs> talking about paying politicians speaking fees. This was clearly a shot um, at her. Um, and, and I say this because. New Hampshire is a very different state than Iowa, a primary different than a caucus, and Republicans in, in New Hampshire, very different. Uh, some are moderate and unhappy with the field and may actually be looking to a Bernie or a Hillary, and you seem to have more independence in a state like uh, New Hampshire. And New Hampshire, even though Iowa, a lot of people make up their mind in the last minute, New Hampshire, historically, people, folks there, wait till the very last minute to make up or change their mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, so far, uh, Bernie Sanders has focused on appealing to the base of the party, appealing to activists, appealing uh, to voters who just haven't thought that there's anything good about politics. But now it's a very different constituency. Uh, The percentage of the population that uh, is independent is huge in New Hampshire. It's close to like 30 or 40 percent. So that's who he's going for. And they don't like the attacks. They don't like the conventional politics. And... Uh, that's, again, why it would be a mistake to all of a sudden turn into some kind of nastier attack version of Bernie Sanders. He has to continue with the same idea, basically, how do we reform the government process? I think that's the argument that he has uh, that also distinguishes him from Hillary Clinton uh, that can appeal to independence in his state
1: you know, Bernie Sanders was uh, on a white Dodge Ram pickup truck and said, we just got him from Iowa where he astounded the world. And now in New Hampshire, we're going to astound the world again. One of the things I, and I like Senator Sanders, but one of the things I think a lot of people have liked um, is that he, you know, people look at him as an outsider, but he's not clearly. I mean, he's been in Washington and a part of the House and the Senate for years. Uh, He's been a part of the establishment uh, at quite frankly, except for trump the arena most of them have um but uh, you know one of the things i liked about him was not just his being real and his passion but his humility and even though we may sit on a dodge ram pickup truck those words we astounded the world and going to astound the world again if i hadn't seen who said them, i would have thought it was donald trump um and uh, so what i'm saying is is uh, is bernie's ego getting inflated by these numbers and can that be dangerous for a candidate as well
0: that can be very dangerous for a candidate. I mean, he's talking not just, he's literally, you know, talking about a political revolution that he is leading. Uh, And if you're not careful, that doesn't just sound to some people unrealistic, uh, but it also sounds uh, like it's becoming more about yourself than about what you're trying to do. The other mistake is you focus more on yourself, more on yourself as the candidate than the campaign you've been trying to run. He has done a very good job for all his flaws, of focusing on issues and making the issues uh, why people would vote for him. And so he has to be careful now as he experiences some success not to move away. He does not want to turn into the Donald Trump of the Democratic Party, Um, and that's always a danger right now.
1: Uh, Let's talk about Republicans. Um, I've heard people say that Marco Rubio is the one to watch because Cruz and, and Trump are going to be fighting. Trump hurt himself by not being in that debate, not waging a real good campaign, not having the experience and maybe not putting the money into his campaign that he should have. Um, What do you think it looks like for those on the right in New Hampshire? And what do those uh, different, especially the top three, uh, need to contend with? And with three dropping out this week, Huckabee, Paul and Santorum, do those dropouts really matter numbers wise to Rubio Cruz and Trump?
0: Well, I think, you know, this is going to be a primary where Donald Trump is still hoping to do very well. And I don't think it's unrealistic to think that he will do well. Uh, You know, this is the kind of state where he not only is polling well, uh, but where that independent aspect of the electorate or disaffected Republicans might very well go for him, where they're not going to be that comfortable with a Ted Cruz, who is far to the right on almost every policy issue. So for Donald Trump, this is the primary where he restores the narrative of a winner and I think he has a good chance of doing that. For Ted Cruz it's easy to see him slipping into third or fourth place, uh which would be a problem for him and undercut some of the aura he has after Iowa. But obviously it's it's Marco Rubio who was the big story out of Iowa and who is hoping not only that more people drop out, but that he can post the second place finish Uh, A strong second-place finish, so that going into the Super Tuesday, going into bigger states, he's the one who's basically competing uh, with either Trump or Cruz at that point.
1: Um, let's talk about the economy. It is the economy stupid but New Hampshire like Iowa is economically robust. Um, what do New Hampshire voters look for then? Is it the economy or are they more looking to stances on social issues on a national level and even international uh, you know issues like Isis for example?
0: Well the polls are showing that terrorism registers very high foreign policy r- registers high immigration does even though there's not a huge immigrant presence in the state. Uh, Drug policy is another big issue there because of the heroin crisis that the state has been facing. That said, there's a very good article, I think it was in the Times, that even though the economy is good, unemployment is low and poverty is low, there are many people in New Hampshire who are very anxious about their future, about this kind of economy. So I still think that in the exit polls is going to be a big question that many Voters have. They don't just want good economic figures; they want a solid economy, and and that's a story that's going to play out in primary and primary again and again.
1: And also, uh, looking to the people in the state of New Hampshire, they like personalities, right? Um, We know the motto is "Live free or die." How does that play in? Bernie is not just a personality. Bernie Sanders is sort of like a cousin. He is from neighboring Vermont. And being from New England, I can say that matters. And that's why Scott Brown can go back and forth in New Hampshire and mass, as has Mitt Romney, whether it's with dwelling or with running. Um, So talk to us about the personality. Uh, Do personalities matter more in New Hampshire than they did in Iowa?
0: Well, they do matter. I mean, they matter in two ways. One is what you're saying with Sanders, that... Uh, This is his territory. People are familiar with him. They've seen him. They've heard a lot about him before this campaign ever started, and that gives him some, you know, a comfort zone in the electorate, and we're seeing that in the polls. That's part of why he's doing particularly well here, and and he should remember that, you know, when he goes into different parts of the country uh, where he's not a known commodity. But there is an element of New Hampshire that likes the freewheeling politician, and that's where Donald Trump and Sanders have something. Uh, that's where you know, Hillary Clinton's new embattled position might actually help her. They like the fighter. They like the brazen personality. Um, and, and on the Republican side, I think Donald Trump's banking a lot that his personality resonates in this state.
1: Now, New Hampshire has a huge independent uh, base and also independents that with Democrats have pulled to be against that, quote, Muslim ban that Donald Trump proposed. Because New Hampshire voters, even Republicans, seem to be more liberal on social issues, um, is this going to hurt the more conservative of the Republican candidates?
0: I think it would hurt Ted Cruz. I think it will hurt Ted Cruz, and then he's he's just not going to do as well there. But I don't know if it's going to hurt Donald Trump, even with those kinds of statements. You know, he is so all over the place. Uh, I think with him, it's more about the personality and the attitude that voters uh, have been enjoying, if you like him, uh, rather than any set of policies. So there's a forgiveness level with Donald Trump that we keep seeing, at least in the polls, that might work in New Hampshire despite that. Uh, For the other Republicans, those who have made tough statements for sure about Muslims, uh, including people like Marco Rubio, who've taken a hard turn right recently, not just Cruz, uh, I do think that could at least be an obstacle in winning over some of those independent votes.
1: And uh, before we go to your great pieces for CNN.com, this is Reagan's party. If Hillary loses Iowa, which I would bet she would because I don't think you're going to – New Hampshire, excuse me, she won Iowa. Um, uh, But if she she, um, loses New Hampshire, and I think she will, but I don't think it will be by the margin that we're seeing in the polls personally. I don't. I think just like Bernie got money, I think people are going to come out for her. I hope I'm right. She's my candidate, but we will see. Um, You know, winning New Hampshire – doesn't necessarily give senator sanders the momentum going into the south especially south carolina that iowa did for him going to new hampshire just as in my opinion losing new hampshire doesn't detract from that firewall in south carolina that hillary has would you agree with me there
0: oh absolutely and the, the clinton campaign being very open about that almost predicting a loss and saying that won't matter uh, I think the, the expectation, not only from the Clinton camp, but many others, is that he's going to really struggle in all the Southern Democratic primaries, where his brand of liberalism might seem uh, much uh, too much to the left uh, for, for their comfort zone, um, and more moderate parts of the electorate in, in other states where... You know, they want a Democrat that's a little more to the center and a Democrat who seems like they're a reasonable bet to defeat a Republican. So even if he does incredibly well, it doesn't mean that that momentum, as we call it, propels him into, you know, Super Tuesday victories.
1: You know, I'm surprised, but he is, you know, extremely left of left, um, that he doesn't play up in some areas, um, his Jewishness, if you will, Uh, you know, because the the, the Jewish population, voting population, a very pro-Israel population might look kindly to that. And I'm very surprised, quite frankly, that. I can't tell you how many people, not that it should matter, but, you know, religion does matter in American politics. Um, But I can't tell you how many people say to me, he's Jewish? (laughs) I thought he was a socialist. Can you be both? Oh, whatever. But do you think that Bernie will, uh, you you know, one, are you surprised that he doesn't use it or it's not used terribly to say against him, if you will? Um, the, The fact he is a Jewish man would be the first Jewish president. You know, this is a country that loves their Christian, their Protestant, you know, presidents. And then two... Um, Do you think that he may have some regrets that he used that word socialist so early on?
0: Uh, The kind of uh, surprise that he's doing so, yes. You know, anti-Semitism still runs very deep in this country, and it's still an element people think is there beneath the surface, but it's it's not operating right now, and, and he's doing incredibly well. People don't even, or they're either not aware of it or it's just not really their issue or they don't care as much as some feared. Uh, so it is notable. You know, we haven't had a candidate do this well who, was of, uh, who came from a Jewish background. He doesn't talk about it because he's a secular Jew, uh, very secular, and I don't think he'd be comfortable identifying himself that way. Um, so, so my guess is, um, you know, that's, that, that's why the campaign's playing out that way.
1: Um, uh, Let's talk about your piece. Uh, Some people are acting like this has never happened before with outsiders like Cruz and uh, Trump. But you say, well, the rise of conservative outsiders like Ted Cruz and Donald Trump is not unprecedented. Reagan did it back in 1976. He challenged a sitting president.
0: He did. I wrote a kind of history piece uh, in The Atlantic about his 76 run where he challenges the Republican president, Gerald Ford, He almost wins the nomination. He doesn't in the end, but he comes very close. But his whole campaign is exactly what we're hearing today, railing against the Republican establishment, talking about his own party caving in too much to Democratic desires and to big money and to the political process. And he really put together a template for anti-establishment Republicans that has remained – part of the politics. So we have this image that Republicans are always orderly and they wait their turn. Uh, But you can just look back to 1976 to see a lot of the Cruz and Trump style has been around for a while.
1: Julian, we love having you on. Uh, Please pick up his book, The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress and the Battle for the Great Society. Read his weekly column, always learn something there on cnn.com. Julian is a political historian at Princeton University and a New America Foundation fellow. The website is julianzelizer.com, j-u-l-i-a-n-z-e-l-i-z-e-r.com. Also go to cnn.com to read his weekly column. And on Twitter, please follow him at Julian Zelizer, j-u-l-i-a-n-z-e-l-i-z-e-r. I'm Leslie Marshall.
0: This is no ordinary sub shop.